It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Tuesday, March 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. Shortly, I'll be joined by Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Uh, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Twins and what they've done this offseason to position themselves as one of the teams uh, that hopes to to stand in the way of the Guardians getting back on top of the American League Central Division and hopefully a uh, run in another World Series uh, Dan Hayes covers the Twins for the Athletic, and he's a good friend as we uh, make trips out there to the Twin Cities to cover games between Cleveland and Minnesota. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing what Dan has to say about what Minnesota has done this offseason, uh, the whole Carlos Correa situation, maybe even talk a little bit about Ted Barrett and James Karinchak and the, the hair fiasco that uh, took place uh, in September of last season. The Guardians, of course, finished in a 5-5 tie against the Rangers. Josh Naylor went deep, hit a two-run home run in Surprise, Arizona for Cleveland. Hunter Gaddis, three and two-thirds innings, allowing one run as he uh, tries to find a, a spot for himself on the opening day roster. Guardians will be in action again uh, today at home against the Dodgers in Goodyear. Uh, Tristan McKenzie on the mound. Regular lineup, uh, Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Josh Bell, Josh Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, Andres Jimenez, Cam Gallagher, and Miles Straw in the starting lineup today uh, for Cleveland against the Dodgers with McKenzie on the mound. But first, we're going to talk to Dan Hayes here shortly. Uh, and and then we'll wrap it up and be back on Wednesday, uh, joined by Hoinsey from Arizona. Uh, so here's our conversation with Dan Hayes from The Athletic uh, about the Minnesota Twins. All right, we're joined by our friend Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Uh, he covers the Minnesota Twins, makes every road trip to uh, the Twin Cities an adventure uh, when we go out there. Uh, Dan, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, we're... We have you on so that we can talk about the Twins, and we're talking about the uh, the teams that stand sort of in the Guardians' way here of repeating as Central Division champions, uh, stand in their path to a, to a World Series. Uh, the, the Twins certainly qualify. Uh, it's been a busy offseason for you guys, sort of living in Carlos Correa's dumpster, I think, uh, for a few weeks there. Uh, what's it feel like to be the uh, third choice for uh, for Carlos Correa? Hey, the, the happiest group... Um... Twins fans, whatever they can, they can, whatever the happiest group about Carlos Correa besides twins fans probably is the twins beat 
like we get the best quote back for six years and like he's uh probably the best player i've ever covered so um it's easy when he talks he says something it's incredible uh i will be the third choice i'd be his fourth choice i'd be his <laughs> fifth choice if he is back we're uh we're in business and uh so it's all good is is there any worry about what you know all the drama and all the waiting and and any sort of whatever uh you know and any questions that were generated by like all the uh all the medical questions and things like that is is any of that going to impact the team chemistry or is is his return to the club just being seen as a big positive and they're going to propel that forward oh the players are enamored like the players are so thrilled he's back none of that matters to them look everybody knows the reality of the situation the twins are not the big market team right the twins are not going to spend 350 million 315 million the twins actually got a lot of credit from their own guys for trying to go as hard as they did they got to 285 over 10 years and and so i think everyone knows how genuine they were with it um i think that they believe like you know he comes back and and it's everything is good with them um i mean Look, the the biggest things that came out of that are absolutely there's going to be questions for the rest of his career as far as the ankle. Um, there's no question about that. But I think the Twins, the fact that they were willing to spend $285 million, uh, so, uh, knowing what his ankle looked like last March, they were still willing to do that. They saw what he puts in, the effort, on a day-to-day basis. They know how he manages it. Um, when you look at his his stat line and you see no stolen bases, there's definitely a very good reason for that. Because he doesn't think that running the bases excessively hard um, is smart. He wants to stay in the lineup, and he sees that as a, a deterrent to that possibility. So I think when they think away the ways he manages himself, they know that they've got like the smartest possible candidate um, to avoid an ankle injury. And and so for that reason, they're willing to take the risk. And and to me, when you have a team that you know doesn't spend a lot of money saying they're willing to spend a lot of money. I, I think that says a lot about what they believe he's capable of. And, you know, six years is a lot easier to absorb than 13 years as well um, if he does have that injury. So, you know, you can't get the guys like him at age 28 very often, especially on six-year deals. So they they were willing to I, – I, I can see exactly why they did it. Um, but, I mean, come on, there's risk in everything, right? So – could it happen at any moment? Of course it could. Um, I think they just calculated the risk is worth it. You know, it's just funny to compare and contrast it in my mind as you're going through that uh, with the deal that the Guardians gave Jose Ramirez before the start of last season. Uh, you know, similar in age, maybe Jose's a little young, uh, a little older. Uh, but you talked about running the bases, and, and running the bases is one of the big things about Jose Ramirez. Oh, yeah. He does so well, and he does like a – I couldn't imagine, you know, it, it not – extending this contract or extending this contract to Jose Ramirez and him not running the bases like a crazy man uh, yeah. like he has for his entire career uh, and, and that being a part of it. So, uh, but, but yeah, it, it's just the the little differences. And, and you talk about how uh, you know, being the, the market, market size that they are uh, it, they're, they're sort of comparable in that, in that regard. So uh, you, you look at those two deals uh, again, Jose Ramirez left a lot of money on the table when yeah. he decided to come back and, and sign with, with Cleveland. So there's there's a, a bit of a difference there. But uh, really, you've got two cornerstones for these these teams for the next several years now uh, that, that could be going head-to-head, two of the best players at their positions in the game. 
Yeah, and it's great for fans of the AL Central. It's great for fans of these teams because it doesn't happen very often where guys stick around that way. And Correa obviously didn't intend to stick around, uh, but <laughs> it was the best uh, option when the chairs started to dry up. And, and Ramirez, I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing um, what his hustle does. I mean, I love uh, Meisel's uh, helmet counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and like... It, it, so it's funny because um, Correa finds a way to make up for the fact that he doesn't – he hustles. It's not like he doesn't hustle, but he's calculated in that hustle. Like he does the math, and I think we saw a little bit of it in the, the postseason when he was on TBS on the desk. Um, he's just so smart and and simplifies really complex situations very well. So he like knows, hey – it's a 99% chance the third baseman's throwing me out. Why am I going to kill myself to get there? If killing myself means I miss the game tomorrow and the game the next day and the next day because my ankle's sore or something along that line. Um, he's, it, it's funny when you see, cause I, you know, uh, like talking to Alex Bregman last year about him um, when the Astros came to town, it's clear that Correa and Bregman are not just um, number one picks or hot top five picks for their physical skills. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you encounter a different mindset when you get those guys um, as, as far as baseball IQ and it's uh Correa finds so many other ways to make them better. Despite the fact that he doesn't have his helmet flying off 75 times in the season. So, right. And, and that's something you hear Tito talk about with, uh, with Jose Ramirez a lot is, how smart he is, how he goes down to the end of the bench and, and watches. And, and, you know, he's not necessarily the most, you know, vocal out on the, on, on the field or whatever, but, but he's, he's teaching and learning the younger guys. And it's, it's all, you know, very much a, a part, like you're saying with, with Correa there. Did, did the twins see what Cleveland did offensively last year with the increased contact and the, and cutting down on the strikeouts? Did they see that and uh, adjust anything on their side uh, in order to to, to counter that, uh, maybe maybe defensively, or uh, did they see that and how effective it was, and maybe make some changes to, to to sort of jump on board there? You know, for years when they had Nelson Cruz and uh, you know they they were hitting lots of home runs and, and yeah. in that regard, uh, is there maybe an adjustment to you know it's a copycat league. Yeah, there is in some ways. I wouldn't say it's a ton, but um, I and it's funny because Joey Gallo is not going to be a big on base guy, <laughs> but he does run the base as well when he's there. Like if you look at his stats, base running wise, he's pretty good over his career. Um, between him and Michael Taylor, another guy who's not a very big on base guy, but that runs it well. Um, they brought those two in. And they brought in Christian Vasquez, who is a way better contact hitter than Gary Sanchez was. But there's been a focus every single day in camp on the bases, which is something they had not done in the past. They brought in Paul Molitor, who I think he had 504 steals. And his extra bases taken percentage was like 48. And, you know, he had like knee injuries early on in his career. And he was, I think the the career norm over his time was like 42 or 44 so he's always better than the league average, um, like an elite base runner. And basically 
Rocco Baldelli said, let's bring in Molitor, um, who hadn't been back at big league camp since he managed the team in 2018. He's been a roving instructor in the minor leagues, but he spent the first week here and every day they've gone over 15 minutes of secondary leads, uh, squeeze, safety squeeze drills, stuff like that. Basically, they want to run the bases better. They were the worst team in the league last year um, in the AL uh, in running bases. They want to improve. They they want to get smarter. They want to cut down on stupid minutes they had because, you know, when it came to September and October, they were so beat up anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a chance that you, me, Poinsy, and my <laughs> played for them in September and October. Uh, but, you know, they they really killed themselves with their extra chances. Any they, they ran into so many outs on the bases that it just – Except any momentum that they might have had in games, because you know it's funny. We we uh, what, were there seven meetings between the two teams? No, there were eight. There were eight in eight, September. Eight in, like, eight in like five days or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And and for as shorthanded as the Twins were, they played them pretty damn well. Like I think the games in Target Field, Cleveland jumped out to big leads twice, and the Twins came back and made it one run games. Um, Including the Karen Check game, mm-hmm. and then uh, it, then in that five gamer in Cleveland, there was the, what we had that epic uh, like fifteen inning game or whatever it was that went until right. one thirty in the morning, and then Joe Ryan threw a great game either on Sunday or Monday. Like there were, it was a really good series. And if the Twins had run the bases a little better, who knows how they do? They did that to themselves all month. They did that to themselves all season. Meanwhile, Cleveland is scoring from second on a wild pitch to win games. And, you know, like I, I think the twins definitely learn lessons from that aggressive mindset and have tried to put a stronger foundation in whether that occurs or not, whether they, they can benefit. We'll see because they're not a great base running team, but uh, they're at least making effort. You, you mentioned a couple of different, uh, you know, acquisitions there, but where else did the twins get better this off season? Uh, in, in terms of personnel on the field and, and, and uh, you know, what they, they plan to do in that regard. Uh, Pablo Lopez is, is legit. That was a really good trade. It cost Luis Arise and that sucks because. Oh, are... wait, I'm sure Cleveland fans are, are real sad to see Luis Arise <laughs> out of the division and, and yeah. gone for it. That's, that's terrible. I, I, the entire American league is thanking the twins for that one. But um, you know, I think they, they look at him and they go, one, he doesn't have a great position. Five eight first baseman, that doesn't work very well. They're worried about his knees holding up. He he is uh it's gonna be interesting to see how he holds up physically. They think they sold high on him. I'm sure the Marlins think they sold high on Pablo Lopez. So, mm-hmm. you know, Pablo Lopez is a really good pitcher. I think he has a 352 ERA over his last like since the start of 2020, essentially. Um and so you throw him in the rotation. You get Kenta Maeda back from Tommy John. So essentially you have two brand-new starting pitchers, and uh, they really need that. Uh, I, I actually think the rotation is um, pretty strong. It, I don't know if it's the if it beats White Sox for the second strongest in the division, but I, I think it's, it's comparable. When you have Sonny Gray, who looks amazing this spring, um, Joe Ryan had a really good year, and uh, went to driveline and tried to get better against good teams. Um, you look at that group and you throw in Tyler Malley, who we never got to see because he was injured. Um, Bailey Ober, you know, he pitched in that doubleheader game, I think, or one of the games in Cleveland mm-hmm. and was outstanding. 
he might start the year at AAA. I mean, he's got wow. 31 starts in his career, and he's got 382 career ERA, which for a young starter, that's not bad. Um, and he may be at St. Paul to start. So they did a good job there. Uh, they got Christian Vasquez, which I, I really like that move because they had two guys um, who had trouble throwing runners out last year behind the plate. And Vasquez isn't what he used to be, but he's still above league average and, uh, especially with the game evolving a little bit more towards running. I think that's going to be big. Um, but they got depth. And Michael Taylor's backing up Buxton if Buxton's hurt. or in the- Wait, wait, if, if Buxton's hurt. Go ahead. Right, exactly, yeah. They, but they, you know, early on, Buxton probably DHs seven out every 10 games, and Taylor will put center field. To get Joey Gallo, you know, their outfield defense should be elite between Kepler, Gallo, Taylor had 38 defensive runs saved the last two years. That's the backup center fielder. Um, it, it That was good. They got Kyle Farmer, um, who's going to be sort of a super utility guy. He would have been their shortstop had Correa not come back. Um, so they really went out of their way to get depth because they were afraid of what happened, you know, in September where a great dude, but Mark Contreras does not deserve to be playing against Cleveland seven times. Right. Um, you know, that kind of thing. They, they're so worried about that happening again, that they really loaded up and have a, a lot more depth this year. Yeah. The, the, the injuries you can't foresee and, and you don't, you don't wish that on anybody, but, uh, the, cause you want to, you, it was almost like taking advantage of Minnesota down the stretch, you know, Cleveland's yeah. there was no, there was no Buxton in that lineup. There was no, there was no real punch to it. And, you know, you, you knew if you got, uh, you know, two or three outs in that lineup, you you could pretty much turn them over and and be you know pretty consistent in those games. Uh, Joe, you mentioned Joe Ryan. Uh, he's he's becoming another one of those ones where the the Guardians fans and and, and they just they see him on the schedule, they see him in the rotation, and it's like, oh man, this guy again. Uh, he's had Cleveland's number since uh, since the beginning. Yeah, and he really is. Um... He knows, and and so he went to drive line in the off season, and basically, they know that if he gets either his slider or his uh, split change to become a fifty grade pitch to pair with that fastball, because that fastball is seventy grade, mm-hmm. he just it's not like it he blows you away with it because it's like ninety two, but he just pinpoints it everywhere, and and he's so effective, and uh, but he had four just horrendous starts uh, at San Diego at Dodgers versus the Red Sox and at Yankee stadium, maybe, but it was like 24 runs in 18 and two thirds. And he still ended up with a three fifty five ERA or something like that. He really wants to like be elite and, and thinks that he can do that by changing stuff. And, Cleveland saw uh, him. He had just started to throw a sweeper in September, and he had that gem of a game against them. And Griffin Jacks, one of their relievers, had taught him the the grip. And so he went to driveline with that grip. And basically they refined it a little bit more and, and worked on that pitch because it gives him another put-away pitch. Uh, I know he's got a split change. I We'll see how those both play. But um, the early you know, talk about the sliders, it's really good. And, uh, they they could use him to develop into that star. You know they have not developed their own homegrown guys, and but they've traded for a lot, and I think they've done a good job. I mean to get Joe Ryan for 
two months of Nelson Cruz as a rental from Tampa Bay was <laughs> could end up being just an absolute steal. And uh, you know, until the Twins start developing their own guys, they they need these trades to land. I mean, they don't develop their own front office guys. They, they have to steal them from Cleveland anyway. So <laughs> what are you going to do? But, exactly. But yeah, yeah. But you're right. That's uh, you look at everybody in that rotation. Pretty much everybody in that rotation is is not a homegrown guy for them. So. Yeah, exactly. And Ober is the one guy and they're trying to kick him out. But, you know, Derek Falvey made a really good point about uh, how Cleveland's own group started. And they made trades. What Carrasco came in trade and Kluber came in trade. I actually covered the Padres when that three team trade went down. And Kluber was an absolute afterthought at that time. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared about Corey Kluber and and they took him and developed him. And I, I, you know, when when I got to Chicago, they traded for Jake Arietta at the time. Sometimes the best things that can happen is you don't do, you get somebody else's pitcher and you make a little adjustment here or there and and it works out. Um, but you know, eventually you do need a Tristan McKenzie or a Shane Bieber to come right. out of your own system. And the Twins have yet to get there, but I think they're very hopeful. Um, they they drafted a kid Connor Prelip last year. Uh, 94 lefty, you know, nice slider. He was coming off TJ, so it's a we'll see. But they also lucked out this year with the uh, the draft lottery and moved up eight spots to the fifth pick. Wow. Um, and yeah, so then they nailed their last year pick. That you know, the one thing it's it's funny coming to Minnesota and not having any real knowledge of them because I grew up on the West Coast. Um, their position player history is just incredible. Like their position player history through since 61, if you look, they have like 12 of some of the best guys they've ever played the game, you know, Carew and Puckett and Molitor, like Molitor was a late guy in his career, but Maurer, Morneau, like you just look and they're littered with it and they think they can continue it. Cause Royce Lewis, um, I think he hit a grand slam against Cleveland in June mm-hmm. uh, when he came up, you know, he looks the part if he can stay healthy and, um, he's coming along nicely. Brooks Lee, they drafted him last year with the eighth pick. And I think if we did the draft over again, he'd be the second pick because I don't know if he's a shortstop, but he is definitely a, a solid infielder with a great bat. And they they stole him at number eight. So they they nail the position player side and then they trade guys to get pitching. And it's just been the way it's been. At some point, it needs to turn the other way and land a pitcher that they don't have to go out and spend it, $20 million a year on or something along that lines. And it, and it's funny that Cleveland's all, the opposite. They draft the pitchers, right. develop them, and and trade them when it comes time to start paying them uh, like they did with, you know, not just Kluber, but, you know, Bauer and, and, and all those other guys that, yeah. you know, they it's they can develop the pitching on this side, whereas the the Twins have the eye for the, the position players, it looks like. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's crazy. I mean – I'm I'm blown away by how good it's like we we did a little thing during the pandemic, me and uh my coworker Aaron Gleeman and our old boss Zach Pierce, where we um played out of the park baseball and we did a simulation and we wanted to do twins players only and we, we looked at the history of uh, the organization and took three year averages, like the best three year stint of everybody's career. And I landed the first pick and I totally just I, I made them think that I was going to take either Maurer or Puckett because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, ideally you're really strong up the middle with catcher, shortstop, and, and center field. 
And for two weeks, I was like, I'm taking, I'm taking one of them. I'm just debating on who. At the last minute, I took Johan Santana, <laughs> and I killed both of them because, like, there's virtually no other pitcher in Twins history that's uh, really that good for three years. And so it, it, it's crazy that it's gone on for 62 years that way. But they they get one year wonders, maybe two years. Look at Scott Erickson back in the early 90s, and it just it never has gone on uh, for a long period of time. All right, we got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, wanted to, uh, you know, just really quickly uh, get your take. Uh, get, give us your best Hoinsey story. Uh, you know, Paul's been uh, traveling out to Minnesota for for years to cover games. Uh, you've been around him. You've interacted with him. What's what's your best uh, best Hoinsey memory from being out uh, in Arizona or being out in Minnesota covering games? I mean, I I just feel like it's always the innocence that comes with. Uh, <laughs> You say something and he has no idea. And I love, I have a dark sense of humor and I love throwing my jokes his way and just getting the reaction from him like, oh, and then he did the, the laughter that comes with it when it, when he figures out how sick and depraved I'm being. Um, I don't know. Uh, Mandy and, and Zach told me that he doesn't go out on the road very much and we've got him to go out a couple years in a row for beers after the game. And I, um, I don't know. He's just the greatest. I, I don't know if I have any individual stories that I remember. I've got to hear the war call once or twice, and it scared the crap out of me, uh, not knowing what it was the first time. And then every time since, I've begged to hear it, and it just it doesn't happen anymore. But, um, yeah, what a, that dude's just the best. I think we got a hot call at one point last year. I was I was not there for it, but I think we had it recorded. So uh, we, <laughs> we just got a recording of one. Uh, but yeah, the, the hot call, you don't get it very often on the road. I don't think, but no, you don't. I've heard it once in Cleveland and it was, I, I know it, it I make you jump. to be there for it. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. So you, you go, wait, what the hell was that? And then you go and you look and, and every... everybody's so fired up. Yep. And, uh, it's, so that's, I, I... that's, my, that's my story right there. I've been present for one of them. <laughs> well, uh, the, the one, the only, the only, only other one that I remember being present for recently was back in 2017 at the end of the, the, the winning streak. Oh yeah. And, and Pedro Gomez was there for ESPN covering the streak. And he goaded him into one in the, in the old press interview room across from the locker room. And, it came out of nowhere. He just sort of did it out of nowhere. Scared the hell out of everybody. It was, it was uh, yeah. Oh, I bet small children were scared everywhere, not oh, having any clue what was going weird. on. Uh, wanted to jump back. Uh, two things, and then I'll let you go. Uh, the we touched on it earlier. The uh, the Karen Chack hair situation. Uh, last year, obviously, you remember. Um, uh, Rocco Baldelli called for the uh, umpire to to go out and check James Karinchak for a, a sticky substance in his hair because he kept going to he won't have time to do it this year he, he yeah. he's he's had to cut very, down yeah. on the gesticulations and everything yeah but uh, have you ever seen a a, a weirder situation we were both there covering that game ha- have you ever experienced a, a more strange situation in in the middle of a, a game that was a, a one run game at the time. <laughs> Probably not. No, that was about as crazy um, as I've seen. And, you know, I'm I was at the game with no fans, which used to be mean something. And uh, in Baltimore, um, after the uh, the Freddie Gray, um, like I was there for that. I've seen some weird stuff. I was around Adam LaRoche retiring suddenly. And and, um, those were more off the field things. So I've been around some strange stuff. Um, seeing Ted Barrett 
gently massaging um, James <laughs> Karinchak's locks uh, was probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, and we had a couple of those things last year uh, where there were just weird rulings by umpires, that kind of thing. But uh, I got to be the pool reporter for Ted Barrett afterwards. And I enjoyed that so much <laughs> because, and by the way, happy retirement to Ted Barrett. Apparently we uh, ran him out of the game because of that, with that whole incident. But I, I said to him afterwards, uh, you know, he was very straightforward with the interview. And at the end I was like, so uh, are you ready for the gifts and the memes? Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh man, if I hear the word bromance just once. And I was like, Hey, AL Central after dark, baby. <laughs> and he well, laughed. And, and that was uh, sitting a row behind you and uh, Zach Meisel as you guys were sort of collaborating and and trying to pick the right words to use. And <laughs> oh no, this is too much, or this is this is just right. It was it was an entertaining for me to just watch you guys try to put together a way to phrase some of that stuff. Oh, it was it was really entertaining. It was so much. I mean, look, that was a great entertaining season twins fans probably don't like what happened over the course of the the meetings but i mean there was so much good baseball mm-hmm. i mean and, and dude correa just took full advantage of that situation and crushed that that hanging pitch from from karen jack and again made it a one-run game and it was like unless correa arise or urshela did anything last year nothing was going to happen so like I'm like Cleveland ran into it. They got within a run and, and then the rest of the lineup couldn't come back. But my goodness, between all the comeback games, that was a fascinating season series. And and the last thing I wanted to mention, you know, those, you talked about those comeback games. Uh, Josh Naylor had a, a walk off, a memorable walk off <laughs> oh, man. And, with a bat flip and then headbutting, uh, you know, Terry Francona as he comes around the bases, uh, you know what's is there is there a fire there for for the twins now is there something to to sort of grasp and hold on to and 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 motivate them in in future meetings now i mean they they have to be just because they got to be pissed about how close everything was last year that was such a how many okay so we were there in july twins were in first west john or end of june west johnson had just left um Cleveland had come in and taken two of three, I think, uh, at Target Field, including that incredible rally game against Emilio Pagan, where <laughs> I think the, it was like 10-9 or 10 – like there were like four leads blown by the Twins essentially in that game at Target Field. And then the Twins go there um, for the five-game – the first of the two five-game series. I never want to see a five-game series ever again, oh, ever, bad. ever, ever. Um, but like – the Jimenez walk off Homer off Thornburg. Like uh, there were Pagan gave up a bomb. I mean, I, I actually have looked this up and I believe I've seen somewhere around 12 between White Sox and covering the White Sox and covering the twins, 12 to 15 walk-offs at Garen or at progressive uh, without question. Like I've seen them all. I saw the airplane one from, I think that was, um, was that Kipnis that ran around and doing the airplane? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that was uh what's his face? Um uh Swisher way back. That that may have been uh Nick Swisher doing an airplane at first base after a walk-off. I've seen more Carlos Santana walk-offs. Um it's it's incredible how many times I've seen Cleveland walk off the team I've covered. And I would have to think the twins felt like, man, we should have won seven of those games. And that should provide a lot of motivation as it is. 
it's a good look. It's the Twins were a good team that just had everything fall apart for them last year, uh, injury wise. And when you lose 14 games in a calendar month, that is incredible. I looked it up to see how many times that many games had been lost in a month. That was tied for the most games of the Twins falling off the pace in a single month in club history. And the other time they went three and 26 in that month back in 1982. They were a horrible team. This was a team that was in first place till Labor Day or was tied for first place on Labor Day and finished 14 back. They are definitely motivated. Um, it'll be a fun season series. And I really look forward to, you know, you talk about uh, Twins fans being um, tor- or Cleveland fans being tormented by uh, uh, a rise and, and Joe Ryan. Uh, Stephen Kwan has become that guy. And Jose Ramirez is always that guy. Uh, it's just a good matchup when these two teams play each other. Yeah, ask the Royals about Stephen Kwan, and they will they will bristle immediately. So, uh, same same thing. Uh, all right, that's Dan Hayes, uh, Minnesota beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, read his stuff there on the Athletic. It's always great. Uh, great to have you on. We really appreciate your time. Uh, and and hopefully uh, we'll run. Oh, not hopefully. We know we'll be running into you during the season. So uh, we look forward to it there. Uh, Thanks for joining us here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks for having me on.